Before the first beer of the tailgate is cracked, before the fans swarm the stands, and before the Hawkeyes take the field, KGYM Sports Radio breaks down this weekend's Iowa football game. This is Before the Boom. Before the Boom. Here's your host, Spencer Wagen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We convene for episode three of the Before the Boom podcast. I have to get my visual aid ready here, guys, as one of our mascots from last week is very happy. Sigh, the Cyclone nodding his head in uh, in agreement with last week's results. Herky is not so happy. If you're watching on the uh, Facebook video of our podcast here from KGYM Radio, you know exactly what I mean. If you're listening on the radio, you're like, Spencer's lost his marbles, which is pretty much every day. Welcome in as we get started to uh, talk about uh, this week's uh, game. Hawkeyes and the Nevada Wolf Pack uh, getting uh, set for action at Kinnick Stadium under the lights. 6.30 or 6.40, actually, the official kickoff time, but 6.30 thereabouts. On your Saturday evening, lots to talk about, guys, uh, in particular uh, with the offense. We'll get into that, get into our predictions for the game, and take a look around the Big Ten as well. Spencer Wagen is my name. I host Spencer on Sports each weekday afternoon from 2 until 3 here on KGYM. Across the desk from me, the show that follows me, Scott Unash and Mark Dukes from the gym class, weekdays from 3 until 4 uh, here on KGYM. And then to my right, Mr. Todd Bromelkamp from the Todd Bromelkamp Show with Alex Kuhn, weekdays from 4 until 6 here on KGYM. And no matter uh, where you're listening or how you're listening to the podcast or if you're watching the podcast, we thank you so much for checking out this uh, this new venture for our Iowa football pregame show here for 2022 and guys it was soggy it was not the best football game ever played somebody had to win and the cyclones were that team uh, were that team to win what, what did you think about uh, last week's game i thought it was unimpressive from both teams i walked away not feeling good about either iowa or iowa state now it's hard to take away from just one game but it wasn't raining in the first half when punts were getting blocked and, and things like that were happening. So just a sloppy game from both teams. Somebody had to win. And Iowa State, with that 99-yard drive, really drove it home at the end. They, and take no, make no mistake about it, they deserve to win the game. Mm-hmm. And they took care of business. I just I wasn't impressed with either team. Scott, Mark, what would you think? Well, uh, I'm kind of with Todd. It wasn't the most. Uh, that game is not going to be sent off to the College Football Hall of Fame and be put on a continuous loop. <laughs> not an uh, instant classic. Uh, ESPN. No, <laughs> no, that will not be on the Big Ten Network down the line. I don't think. But uh, give Iowa State all the credit in the world. Um, I thought they came in. One of the things that Matt Campbell needed to do was to check that box to beat Iowa. And it's never going to be easy. It's never easy for Kirk Ferentz on the other foot to beat Iowa State. But took care of business, got it taken care of. That 99-yard drive is already going down in lore as far as Iowa State football is concerned. Guys, gals, already calling it the Cyclone Drive. The Drive. And, Equating it to John Elway. Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> against the Browns. Let's not get crazy. But uh, it was uh, – you know what? It was – a great drive as far as Iowa State football is concerned, and you're, that's going to be what that game is known for uh, in the future, I believe, uh, especially in the Iowa State side, is going to be the drive game. And Iowa State deserved to win that football game. Uh, they outplayed Iowa. Uh, another anomaly, how many times do you get two punts blocked on you in a game and still win? Well, Iowa State did that. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, and the anomalies through two weeks just continue to pile up uh, here as far as football is concerned. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree with both Todd and Scott and their assessments. And that 99-yard drive was <clears throat> unthinkable. Uh, you didn't think that Iowa was going to allow that or Iowa State could put it together, but it did. I mean, look back at this game. Both teams had all kinds of opportunities. Each team fumbled at the one, although Potabom's fumble is in dispute in the Iowa camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two block punts. Iowa goes in two plays after the first one. Perfect start. And then nothing the rest of the game. And we are left with local programming discussions about this Iowa offense for the second straight week. And discussions that uh, I don't think are going to stop <laughs> unless something <clears throat> drastically changes. And we'll get to Nevada here in just a moment. This definitely feels like a game, at least you hope, from the Iowa perspective, that you can get right and and, and maybe, just maybe, cure what's been ailing you. And, you know, there's been a lot of criticism and, you know, uh, uh, dished out towards Spencer Petras, toward Brian Ferentz. Obviously, this the offensive line has not played well. Uh there have been playmakers missing, but all in all, this offense—you uh, know—I mean, we could say they're stuck in the mud, but I think it's just, you know, stuck in the quicksand. <laughs> it's, it, what's worse than mud? They—they they haven't shown any progress. Uh, like you said, Mark, there has been there. There were numerous opportunities to to score the football to put the game away. You look at that disputed fumble by Monty Potabom. Missed opportunities on both sides of the ball, and uh, that was one of the big takeaways that I had that I shared on the on Spencer on Sports on, on Monday. We knew this game would come down to turnovers. Iowa did not turn the ball over since 2015. They turned the ball over three times. They forced three Iowa State turnovers. Yet they're on the wrong side of the scoreboard. And you mentioned anomaly, Scott. That's you know you don't usually see that force three turnovers and lose, but that's what happened. I would agree. I would agree. And. The interesting thing about what's coming up tonight, as far as uh, Iowa and Nevada is concerned, you, you got so many scenarios. Okay, Iowa's offense comes out, looks good. Well, next week people are going to be calling in and saying, well, it's Nevada. Boy, if they didn't look good that game, they're never going to look good. Show me something against a real team. Or it's going to be the Iowa offense may look a little bit better but are still not going to be up to par. And then it's going to be you know the next – you know, level as far as DEFCON is concerned. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if Iowa can win uh, coming out of this game this evening unless they throw up 900 yards and and win something like 82 to nothing. But we know that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it fun tonight. What has changed since 2020? I thought a lot about this, and you go back to a stretch of a dozen games spanning 2020 and 2021, Spencer Petras was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Won 12 straight games. Right. Completed 60% of his passes in those games. 17 touchdowns, four interceptions. And now look where we're at. Probably a multi- multitude of things that are, have gone wrong at this point. But I look back at the personnel then and what Iowa has now. Along the offensive line during that time, you had Tyler Linderbaum, Alaric Jackson, mm-hmm. Tyler Schott, uh, at all. 
and the receiving core included uh, Amir Smith-Marset mm-hmm. drawing a paycheck with the Bears. I think Brandon Smith's in the NFL. Tyrone Tracy and Charlie Jones. We know where they are at. Mm-hmm. Nico Regani. All those guys were available to him. Saturday, it was largely Arlen Bruce and Sam Laporta. I'm not saying Petrus is above blame, but when you don't have reliable receivers, an offensive line that is young and growing uh, to perform with consistency, and you start rushing the ball, you start doing things that maybe are out of the realm. I don't know what you guys think. Well, they're not rushing the ball. That's part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, 57 and a half yards on the ground through two games. That goes back to the offensive line. If you can't run the ball, the defense has an easier time trying to prepare to stop the passing game. So they need a Sean Green-type running back that that doesn't need to rely on perfect blocking from the offensive line. They don't have that right now with, with Gavin and LaShawn Williams. So it's just it's a perfect, total perfect storm of ineptitude on offense right now for the Hawkeyes, and I see no signs of that storm abating anytime soon. And, and we'll talk about uh, improvement, and we'll talk about how this game might play out in in just a bit. But you bring up a good point, Scott, when you say, uh, you know, they're they're playing Nevada, and it's it's tough to quote unquote win this game, not necessarily in an on the field because they should win this game on the field, but an off the field kind of perception changing victory. It feels like this. Even if they go out and win fifty-five to three, which I don't think is going to happen, uh, even if they go out and win convincingly, I feel like it's it's going to be tough to win over the fans that have once one foot closer to the ledge, right? I mean, not, nothing. I mean, nothing is going to be perfect, you know, for, for for the fan base that has already not necessarily given up on on this team, but has gone down the, the the negative path toward this Iowa football team and you know I mean we all want the team to, to do well but as Todd pointed out there's a number of different factors creating this perfect storm of struggles on offense uh, that I don't feel like there's any any convincing the people that have maybe changed their opinion taken off the black and gold colored glasses uh, and and uh, seen this team the first two weeks of the season. I don't think there's really any changing their opinion unless you go out and blow out Nevada and you start a big winning streak that includes some upsets. Am I wrong in saying that? No, you don't. I don't see a scenario next week where people are not texting in and calling in and saying, "Oh, I feel really good about this team now." Mm-hmm. Despite what happens tonight, despite what happens against Nevada at Kinnick State, Spencer Peters can go 22 of 24 tonight for 320 yards. Um, you know, two touchdowns, misses one guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's going to be I, – I just don't see a, a scenario where it changes for next week. And, and I, you guys tell me I'm wrong, but I don't – I just don't see it. It's just going to be, well, it was Nevada, and what's going to happen, you know, Michigan. No one's looking at Rutgers, by the <laughs> way. Rutgers ain't bad. Rutgers we'll is get better. To, we'll Rutgers get to them ne- next week. But, uh, you know, everyone's got Michigan on their mind. Uh, at this present time, but like I said, I I'd like to see a good performance uh, just just to you know settle things down. Uh, you know, it's like it hasn't rained in three weeks, and it's uh, every time a car goes by, all the dust goes up. You need something to settle the dust down, and I hope that's what comes up 
tonight. I was with Todd at the beginning of the season. I thought this offensive line would have a chance to be better. Mm-hmm. And maybe it does. But right now, I mean, they don't know where they want to play Connor Colby. He ended up out of tackle, I think, yeah. a large part of that game last Saturday. Uh, Plum's been all over the place. Uh, you got a center that's really struggling. Mm-hmm. No semblance of Tyler Linderbaum there. Maybe it'll come together. I don't know. But to this point, it hasn't. We all, us, everyone, everybody in Iowa City, everybody around the world underestimated how big a loss Tyler Linderbaum was. Mm. Just underestimated. Well, oh, they're going to do the same thing with Logan Jones. Oh, going from defense to offense. Boom. Put in right there. Fit that uh, you know puzzle piece right in there and take off from where you were. Same scenario. Well, it's not. Tyler Linderbaum was a really special player. And you got to be good up the middle. And Mark and I were talking about this the other day. You got to be good in every sport up the middle. And Logan Jones, I think, is going to be good. I think he's going to be a good player when it's all said and done. But he's not. He's just starting out. He's not Tyler Linderbaum. Resign Correa, please. No. <laughs> That's a different sport. <laughs> no, but you need to be good up the middle. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> It makes me wonder how much David Davidkoff would have factored in on the offensive line this yeah. year. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of talk about him in the spring and with his injury and being out of the mix. It, it's not just one player on that offensive line, though, right now. I, and I, I hate to say this, but even if they had Tyler Linderbaum this year, I don't think it would help the offense very much. So before the Boom podcast here on uh, KGYM, uh, radio.com, and of course all your podcast apps as we break down the Iowa State game, look ahead to Nevada here. The big headline from the week, and we saw this coming out of uh, of Sunday's, uh, uh, or Sunday, Saturday's game, I should say, uh, against Iowa State. The questions uh, mounting about a possible quarterback change, and uh, Todd, I think it was Alex, uh, you and Alex said this earlier in the week, it's not necessarily doubling down, it, it, it's going all all in on Spencer Petrus, and here's what uh, Kirk Ferentz had to say earlier this week about uh, Spencer Petrus and his role as the starting quarterback. Uh, he'll start right now. Uh, that's our plan. Well, you know, something happens in practice, and uh, you know, we obviously spend a lot of time looking at it, considering it, talking about it, and uh, it's not the same as last year, but there, there are some similarities, I think, in that. You know, I think it's really tough to give an honest evaluation right now. And uh, I've talked to Alex about the same thing. Just that, you know, I think no matter who's in there right now, we get some challenges. And we've got to work through those, try to improve in those. And then, you know, we'll have a fairer way to assess, I think. And uh, But I still have, I think I speak for everybody in our program. We both have, all have faith in both players. Well, Spencer Petrus will start, barring any changes. We could turn on the TV or sit at Kinnick Stadium on Saturday night and see Alex Padilla walk out there with the first-team offense and be totally caught off guard and surprised. But uh, knowing what we know about how this uh, football team operates, it's it's likely going to be Spencer Petrus. So my question to the group, I feel like we keep talking about this, but it's the issue that keeps coming up. How long is the leash? How long should that leash be? And... If things don't go Iowa's way right away in the first half against Nevada on Saturday, do we see a change? What do you think? See, no one wants to go first on this one. <laughs> anyone? anyone? <laughs> Bueller? Depends, Bueller? I think it depends on the circumstances. You know, with Alex Padilla, it's such a small sample size. He started, what, three games? Uh, had a really good game against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Passed for two, ran for one, and not so much against Illinois. Right. Uh, clearly, he's more mobile than Petrus. 
Petrus has started, what, 22 games now in his Iowa career? Uh, he's and I, and I go back to 2020 and 2021 when he was really good. Uh, the components around him are not the same as this year. So to answer your question, Spencer, I think you're going to see both quarterbacks, but only because or if Iowa gets out to a big lead and Padilla comes in. Boy, the last thing I think Kirk Ferentz wants to do uh, is have Iowa get off to a poor start, Spencer Petrus get off to a poor start, the offensive line getting off to a poor start, just the worst-case scenario in the world, and then have to make a move. Um, Like Mark said, the best-case scenario would be Iowa's got a big lead, Spencer or uh, uh, Alex Padilla comes in at the end of the game, and you know, get some work. That's the best case scenario there is. But if Iowa's offense isn't moving, if it's a close game in the first half, uh, I got to think coming out for the third quarter, you got to make a change. I mean, whether it's you just got to just for a spark. You just not, got not to a, not yeah. a permanent change, but doesn't have maybe to be permanent. You get a spark. It doesn't have to be, be permanent, but just to get a spark for this team. Because right now there's just there's just nothing out there. It's just flat. It's a flat line football team. I think the offensive coordinator wanted to make a change last week, and the head coach did not want that change to be made in that game situation. And I, my estimate is t- two drives. I said this I think on Tuesday or Wednesday. Two possessions. If Iowa's not up fourteen nothing, if there's struggle on the offensive side of the ball, I think you see Alex Padilla early on. But Kirk Ferentz is. Pretty telling when he said it, it's you can't get an honest evaluation at this point. That's him saying there are so many factors wrong with this team right now that you just can't blame the quarterbacks for what's going on. But it's like anything. a quarterback takes way too much credit when things are going right and way too much blame when things are going wrong. But I, I do think that if you don't see Alex Padilla today, it's one of two things. Saturday night, one of two things has happened. Either I was going to be clicking on all cylinders and they blow Nevada out, which two, three years ago, they probably should. Mm-hmm. Or you know, it's going to be really interesting on Monday when the phone lines turn out <laughs> to a one. That's true. And as soon as Alex steps in, boy, it'll be what? How? It, just, Standing ovation, maybe. Well, yes, but then just estimate the first. Joey Labus talk. <laughs> <laughs> the first, the first incompletion by Alex Padilla. Yep, yep. And all of Twitter. Joey Labus, Joey Carson yep. May, Carson May. So, the kid in Florida. Yeah, the, who just just committed to uh, just committed to Iowa despite the uh, the loss to Iowa State. The, but then you also have the Cooper DeGene crowd. Yes, yes. You can just step right. Can in. Xavier Wampa play quarterback? And then we'll get into that. That uh, uh, spiraled down the. Hill. I, I think I agree with Todd, and and he's he's down there in Iowa City. the The relationship between Kirk and Brian Ferentz, I think Brian Ferentz in recruiting, as I've read, wanted to recruit dual threat quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Spencer Petrus is hardly that, right? And maybe there's a philosophical difference going on there. I don't know. 
and, and the the Reeser kid, James Reeser, the the kid who just committed from from Florida, if I'm not mistaken, is a dual threat. He's a dual threat quarterback. Kid. So you know, obviously, a lot of things can happen between you know his his verbal commitment to to when he first. He's sees not the in field. Iowa City yet. He's not here yet. Let's <laughs> just temper your expectations, Hawkeye fans. But. Uh, uh, you know, maybe there is a shift there that we're seeing. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in the next uh, two, three, four. Maybe we ought to fo- focus on Caden Proctor instead of a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. But uh, Spencer Petrus uh, actually talked about Todd. You mentioned the criticism that the quarterback uh, quarterback takes uh, when the whole offense isn't uh, isn't clicking on all cylinders. And Spencer Petrus actually talked about that this week in Iowa City. He talked about whether he himself gets frustrated. Uh, when the results don't go their way. Here's what he had to say. No. Um, I mean, obviously, I'd love it to, to work every week, work every play. Um, the vision that I I have uh, and that our team has and our coaches have, it remains the same. Um, the thing that I think is hard for people maybe that aren't in the building or, or that never competed at this level to understand is that uh, there's a process to it all um, and, and always have to have trust in the process and respect for the process and an understanding of it that uh, we're going to look a lot better week 12 than we did week one and, and we're going to look better week three than we did week two. It's just you have to continue to improve. Um, and the only time when uh, really we're doing, we're not doing our job is if, is if uh, you know, we're not improving. Um, but the goal is to improve every week and uh, I definitely, you know, think we've, we took a step forward. Uh, we're not where we want to be, but uh, the goal is just to continue to improve. I know we've all probably said this at one point or another on our shows this week, but you have to admire him standing up there and taking questions after the games. The first one that's out there uh, for media availability on Tuesday, uh, I know it was, uh, Todd, you were there, you, maybe you can weigh in on it, but uh, him getting asked the question, are you starting this week? Uh, I don't envy him being in that position. I don't think any of us, uh, any of us do at all. No, not at all. And I think some of the fans, it's clear this week, have kind of lost sight that the guys that are inside that football complex and inside that locker room, both the coaches and the players, they take losses harder than the fans do. Mm-hmm. Now, I know what it's like to be a fan. I really do. But I also know what it's like to wear a uniform. Now, never at that level. But when you would go out and lose a game, and nobody felt worse about it than the guys that were actually in the dugout or on the sideline. And those guys are taking what's going on, and especially last week with it being a rivalry, they're taking it really hard. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody you know on that Iowa football team was was cheering to see the Cyhawk Trophy, <laughs> the Cyclones run over and grab it and run through the rain and have them you know uh, you know partying all over the field and celebrating and all their fans taking over the the stadium and all the tweets about Cyclone State and stuff like that. But uh, you know, that's an important thing to remember as fans. But you know, as if you're a fan and you're used to you know six straight wins in the rivalry, you want to see that streak continue on, and especially in and. Guys, you could chime in too. Obviously, uh, you you see the dominance in the rivalry. You know, it wasn't necessarily dominance, dominance. Not like the Hayden Fry streak against Iowa State, but you see six straight wins. You see a team, and this is the frustrations that Hawkeye fans, I'm sure, are feeling with an elite defense, the special teams. You know that that is solid, especially in the punting department. Kicker, of course, has still some kinks to work out, but the offense just has not been up to par and. There's so much potential that this team could have, yet the offense is is holding it back. And that, especially coupled with the rivalry game, especially coupled with all the things that are not working, that has has made it tough, right? Peterson, um, I admire him on this point, saying that 
you know, basically, you got to be in the in the in the locker room in the building to appreciate what's going on. Listen, none of the four of us played major college football. We have no idea what it's like in in an Iowa practice, uh, in, in, uh, uh, in a variety of respects. But yet we're paid to comment about it. Do you have to have played at that level to comment about it? I'm not sure that's the case. But the point being is that, and fans are the same way. Yeah. What, 1% of the fans weighing in played major college football, maybe even D3? Mm-hmm. They, they have no idea what it's like to be in there. They just know they're disappointed. Um. So I appreciate uh, that uh, that aspect of what Spencer had to say. Yeah, and uh, yeah, as far as the rivalry is concerned, and like I said at the beginning of the show, that uh, Matt Campbell had—I mean, we asked Rob Gray, uh, "What was this the biggest box besides?" Well, he said, "Beside a Big Twelve tr- championship that had yet to be checked." Yes, mm-hmm. said right out of there. Yes, Iowa, the Iowa game, beating Iowa. So that has been taken care of. And to have a great rivalry, you must have two teams that can win on any, in any given year. Um, you know, the streak that Hayden Fry put together, I mean, we all lived through that uh, era. Iowa and Iowa State, was it a – it was more – the Cyhawk week back then was more of – it was a cutesy thing. Am I wrong about this? Because you knew how the game was going to come out. It was just going to be, okay, is Iowa going to win by five touchdowns, seven touchdowns? Is Corny Robertson going to come in and throw bombs in the last three minutes of the game? I don't know. Uh, that was that was the only thing to be really determined at that point. Now, you know, since Dan McCartney came in, you got a rivalry. Mm-hmm. And Iowa State winning this one, great for them. Um, it may – who knows? what Iowa State could do as far as their season now. Um, They didn't look great in that game. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the Big 12, but no one thought they were going to win that game, too. Right. Well, Nevada is the opponent this week. Uh, A Nevada team, and and again, I know we've talked about this on our shows this week, 55 points they gave up to Incarnate Word. Now, Incarnate Word's a good FCS team, but giving up 55 in your home field to... uh, to an FCS team, probably not the look you want to have going into a, a Big Ten uh, non-conference game and then into your conference uh, conference late in the Mountain West. We talked about this a little bit before, but guys, this is a big opportunity for Iowa for a get-right game, get things back on track. You know, I don't think they're going to come out firing in all cylinders and win fifty-five to three, but an opportunity to correct what needs to be corrected and set up for what is going to be a challenging Big Ten slate. Yeah, this Nevada team coming in is uh, coming off uh, uh, a bowl game. Yep. Albeit the Quick Lane Bowl. All all bowls are good, Mark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, Detroit or Tampa or Miami, changing, Boise. Changing coaching. Um, uh, a lot of players left. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a rebuilding program, I think. Capable on offense. Undecided about the quarterback position. Between a six nine guy and a transfer from Oklahoma State, you may see both. I don't know, but um, <clears throat> it's got a seasoned running back. Uh, it sounds like the offensive line is a problem. Yeah. So, what to expect today? 
you know, the, the, the time was that you could name the score in this game. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case. It, it's a situation where, as far as Nevada is concerned, with uh, with a defense that's not very good, and I mean, we all know the fact that for Iowa football to be good and rolling and dominating, it has to run the football. Yeah, Spencer Petras needs a lot of confidence. We know that. The offensive line needs confidence as well. And I think you're going to see Kirk Ferentz come out today, tonight, I should say, and try to try to run the ball. I agree. I was got to run the ball. I mean, these games of 50 yards as a team, uh, you, you know are grading on him, the offensive coaches, the coaching staff as a whole. They need to put something up there that's a gaudy number and make this a short game, maybe not the most fun game in the world. If Petrus throws 15 passes or Padilla throws 15 passes or whoever throws 15 passes, I think that would be wonderful. That's football. In Kirk's mind, and that is football, and that's Iowa football. Go out, run the football, run them over, and get a W and get ready for the Big Ten. That's what I see happening tonight. Just win the game. (laughs) <laughs> win the game and move on to, to Big Ten play at this point. Is this I mean, a, a no-win situation? Yes. You said it earlier. It's a no-win situation. Exactly. Uh, just the, win the game and and move on. It, yeah. no, I, I hate to say that. No, nobody cares. Right. And Jay Norvell's not the head coach there anymore. There's no former Iowa Carson type. Strong he is gone. He took half yeah. the decent players with him to Colorado State. Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick this, is not quarterback in Nevada Romeo Dobbs is on the Packers <laughs> this now. This would so. be a scary game if Jay Norvell was still there and yeah. they had the, the players that he took with them. So be thankful from that standpoint if right. you're Iowa. Yeah, well, I, I equated it to uh, on my show on, on uh, Wednesday. I said, you know, I was, I was looking at bull projections. And I was you know, looking at you know oh, the, specifically games where you get paired up with a, a non power five team, a power five team versus a group of five team. It's kind of that same situa- situation, right? Like like you win the game, you win big, but you beat Nevada. You know, like it, no one's going to like celebrate. You know, th- this is the greatest win of all time in Hawkeye history. Uh, it like Todd said, just go out. And, and and win the game, and that's all that's important because uh, guys, and we've all kind of referenced it in our, in our discussion here today. Monday, if there is an L on the uh, on the sheet for the Hawkeyes, is going to be DefCon five or an ugly W. That is true. <laughs> like fourteen thirteen with a that's just last it. second field goal. Win the game. Win, win look it. look good winning the game or win the game. Right. But if you win the game and you don't look good or you lose the game, those are the two terrible scenarios for Iowa. We'll get into our predictions in just a moment. Do you want to take a look at the Big Ten this week? There's some intriguing matchups uh, this week, guys. Uh, it starts with Oklahoma and Nebraska. Now, this happened Sunday morning. I was sitting there waiting for the NFL, and my significant other says, uh, Spencer, I'm like, oh, God, what? And <laughs> she's like, hey, Nebraska just fired Scott Frost. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. Uh, Nebraska. Making the coaching change, not going to be an easy start. They take on Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma, you know, they had a bunch of transfers, lost a coach, but they've looked pretty good uh, to start the year as they redo that Big 8 rivalry in Lincoln. Uh, Also, Penn State at Auburn. Auburn's on some rocky times here. Uh, Brian Harson, their coach, I know uh, is. Uh, I don't know if he's not expected to to survive the year, but uh, they played a good game last year in Happy Valley, and that should be an interesting one too. Michigan State going west to take on Washington. 
uh, at uh, 6.30 uh, Saturday night, too. A couple others that might be sneaky good games. Purdue at Syracuse. Syracuse is 2-0. and uh, Purdue is a pretty darn good football team from what we've seen, even though they've lost to Penn State at the opener. And then Maryland and SMU. Kind of a one of those matchups like, what are they doing playing SMU? But still a uh, couple high-powered offenses uh, there in that one. Uh, those are my highlights. The other games, I mean... You know, Michigan's going to destroy UConn. I don't know why that's a national TV game. <laughs> Michigan was favored like four by forty six. I thought I saw earlier in the week. Northwestern taking on Southern Illinois. If you're into that kind of thing, you can watch that one. Indiana, Western Kentucky. Uh, Indiana, Indiana beat Western Kentucky, I think, last year, but it was very close. So that could be interesting there. Rutgers and Temple, Minnesota taking out a bad Colorado team. Wisconsin coming off that loss to Washington State, playing a really bad New Mexico State team. I think the Badgers should roll on that one. And then Ohio State uh, taking on Toledo. Toledo is not a bad team, but going up against uh, Ryan Day's Ohio State team should be pretty big in favor Good of the Buckeyes uh, this uh, this week. But uh, that is the Big Ten slate. Let's get to our predictions I, I think it's safe to say we all have Iowa winning. I don't think there's anybody in this room that has Iowa losing. If you do, be prepared to explain yourself right now. Uh, but uh, what do we think is going to happen? What's your final score for the game on Saturday? <laughs> well, I, I don't I all speak at, at once. I look at my prediction, and I think it's sort of the worst case scenario. I think I've got Iowa winning thirty-one to six, okay. which is a win. I mean, it's not aesthetically pleasing. And it's a matter of how they get those 31. I think a defensive score may factor in there. You may see a field goal or two sprinkled in there. And if the offense isn't stuffing the stat sheet and they run the ball for 57.5 yards again, I think you're going to have a lot of angst over a, a middling win over a Nevada team that in previous seasons you'd expect, as you said earlier, 55-3 to or 48-6, to something like that. So I'm going 31-6, to which is, I think, the worst-case scenario other than actually losing the game. What's the spread? 23 still, Todd? 23. Okay. It's held firm at 23 all week long, and the over-under is hanging around 40. So they're mm. not expecting Nevada to score a whole lot, and I don't think they're expecting Iowa to score a whole lot either. 27-7. to and how they get to 27 How many is, safeties? I, <laughs> no, no safeties this week, but I'm with Todd. I think the defense may hang a touchdown up there, or special teams, or special teams. Got a feeling this might be might be return week. Okay. Big week for Charlie Jones. Oh, Ooh. wait. Yeah. yeah. Chuck Sizzle's well, not uh, Chuck not Sizzle's had a good couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. been doing fine, but yeah, like uh, we all kind of – talked about i don't even think this is iowa nevada i think this is iowa versus iowa this week Mm. and just the psyche of this football team and i was it's going to be a very plain vanilla game i was going to run it and i think 27 to 7 i don't think spencer peters or any other other quarterback is going to throw 30 times in this game um I, i agree that i think kirk ferentz wants to get that running game going uh if he can and I think he can. I think they can uh, against this Nevada team that well-established, gave up 55 to a, a FCS team from San Antonio, Texas. I got it at 27 to 10 Iowa, but would not be surprised if it was uh, worse than that. I 
I think Iowa's going to win the game. I, I say 27-6. to six. I think running the football is going to be uh, the name of the game. Um, I, I can foresee Iowa struggling at, at the start of the game. I hope certainly hope they don't, but uh, you know, I, I could foresee them maybe some of those struggles continuing over, but I think eventually they start to wear Nevada down uh, and, uh, and get the job done. Um, it's not going to be a win that people are too pleased with, but uh, you know the win is better than the loss, uh, and uh, you could focus on on the start of Big Ten play next week. Any final thoughts, guys? Yeah. I was not expecting my thirty-one to be the outlier <laughs> on the score. I thought somebody would at least go thirty-four, thirty-five. I thought about it. I haven't seen enough for, to, to even you know. I mean, 20, well, I've, 20, seen 20, I've seen it. Twenty-sevens, twenty-sevens. You know, like that's that's a big step for this Iowa offense that scored what. 13? 14, 14 points? 14 points well, in two games. the offense hasn't scored that. The offense has scored 7 points. Yeah. 10, actually. But uh, My yeah. parting shot is that Monday afternoon, starting at 2, we'll all come in and say how wrong we were. <laughs> <laughs> in some respect. Yeah, that's true. My parting shot is how many of the uh, the dumpling, little dumplings that are left over will say, why are we playing, playing Nevada? <laughs> <laughs> Not not the city in Iowa. Yes, that's an Iowa joke, yeah, everyone. That is an Iowa joke. I All got right. it. Did Thank you, you Spencer. It? And he's a Wisconsin guy. Yeah, I get it. I got it. <laughs> We're not playing the Nevada Cubs this no, week. No. Nevada is not in it's like when Wisconsin played Belmont in the NCAA tournament. There's a town right, on yeah. Highway one fifty one called Belmont. Former and like, state capital. Yes, the former Indeed. state capital in Southwest Indeed. Wisconsin. Yeah. Wisconsin's not taking on the tiny community in, in Grant County. Le- lead mining country. It is. One it of is. the places that the Bus may or may not have been pelted with things on the way to Anybody Madison. Anybody else with, with random Wisconsin facts? We can save <laughs> those for uh, what, what week is that on the schedule? November 12th. All right. Well, well, we don't need a railroad strike. It's already off the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thanks again. Hey, Kirk did say on Tuesday he wasn't trying to drive the train. They weren't trying to intentionally derail the train. So we did have a railroad reference very, Tuesday. Very topical, Kirk Ferentz. All right, guys, we'll reconvene next week. Thank you, listeners, for checking out the Before the Boom podcast here from KGYM. KGYM Sports Radio brings you the best in Iowa football pregame programming with the Before the Boom podcast. Listen to the podcast each week before Iowa takes the field. Available on the KGYM app or wherever you get your podcasts.